saves. He's the one that convicts. He's the one that regenerates, uh, provides salvation. And then uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the number one thing that keeps us from engaging with a supernatural God. You remember what that was? It wasn't money or time. It wasn't resources. It wasn't even our background. You say, hey, you know, I was, I was born and raised Presbyterian, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I've got different views. No, it's not our background. It's not our lack of ability. But the number one thing that keeps us from uh, experiencing or engaging with the supernatural God is many, many times fear. But what's great is that God addresses that. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, for about these spiritual gifts, about the supernatural God, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Instead, he wants you to be confident and so you can relax. And then we looked at a great verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, that explains that we, as believers, are basically jars of clay. We are dirt buckets, we've talked about. And what it is, it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit inside of us that makes a difference. There's treasure in earthen vessels, it says in first or Second Corinthians there. And it's God, the supernatural God, who is the treasure. And so we can take the pressure off. We're just dirt buckets, but God wants to work through us. And so we talked about just a freedom that we want to experience here in our midst, that there would be a freedom to try and to fail in using the gifts of the Spirit. And in uh, all of this, we've said that we desire to be seeking the authentic, real, genuine God. We don't want something just manufactured, man-made. We don't want to hype something up, but we want a true encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I know that's your heart, and that's what we've been praying for and asking God for, and, uh, and today is no exception to that. Today, I was thinking about this this week, and really for the last several weeks, that we are living in the last days. Do you believe that? And it is a privilege to live in the last days. Joel in his prophecy said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now what's great about that is that we are not living in an old covenant situation where the spirit of God was temporary, would rest on man uh, in just specific individuals for a short period of time for a specific purpose in the, under the old covenant. It was temporary on a select few, kings and priests and, and maybe a prophets and, and, and maybe others, but, but for a short period of time. We don't live under an old covenant situation. Instead, we are living under a new covenant that Jesus brought into play, where the Spirit of God is poured out on all of believers, all believers. And so today we're going to look at something that's available for every single one of you that's here today, from the youngest to the oldest. And it will help you grow. It will help you with spiritual power. And what we're going to talk about this morning is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And my prayer is this morning, and we've already prayed, we've already asked God, we've prayed for the offering, all these things, is that this place right here would be the easiest place to receive the Holy Spirit, that it would be natural. And for those of you that have been filled with the Holy Spirit, that there would be a refilling again, baptizing every single one of us today, and that there would be a willingness in our hearts, no matter what kind of background we came from, that there would be a willingness to open up to say, God, if this is you, I want everything you have for me and that we would be willing to be stretched, and that means all of us. And so I want to just encourage you this morning that your hearts would be open and uh, to listen, to, to let God uh, speak through me. And uh, it's interesting, the Bible says, through the foolishness of preaching, uh, lives are transformed and changed. And, uh, and I'm just a humble servant asking God to use me in that way today. I was thinking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And for me, I was talking to Brendan before service about this. For me, when I look at my life and my spiritual journey, the second most significant spiritual uh, 
uh, experience I've ever had was when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. The first was, of course, salvation. And I think I've shared this story before. I was saved at a young age. I uh, kind of grew up in church, and uh, I'm sure, actually, I'm sure I was uh, saved several times in kids' church. Uh, you know, you, you get saved every week. But the time that I remember, the time that I remember writing down in my Bible, my grandma was praying with me at our house. I had some questions. She said, go grab your Bible. She talked me through some scriptures, and, uh, and we prayed a salvation prayer. I was nine years old. It was November 12, 1985. I had the Bible that we flipped through, and I wrote in there, Today, November 12, 1985, I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. Let me tell you, that is a treasure to me. And my grandma was there with me, and we turned around and knelt down. And what's interesting is that I was saved. I believe at that moment, if the Lord was to return, I would have been caught up in, in, uh, to be with, with Jesus in heaven. But you know what? I had a little sin inside of me. And uh, I, some of you, that probably doesn't surprise you. But, um, but I struggled, even at the age of 10 and 11, uh, with, uh, with serving God. The world had quite a pull on me. And what's interesting is I look at young people today. There are young people today that are facing things that I didn't even face. And I'm saying, Lord, help our younger generation. How much more do they need the Holy Spirit? But I had some rebellion in me. Um, I can remember one circumstance where I was, um, my parents said, you need to be home by 8 o'clock. And I knew that. I repeated it to them. And, uh, and I just flat out disobeyed my parents. I was, at that point, I was really into skateboarding. And I had some influences in my life. And I know you think uh, that's pretty cool, right? Uh, uh, but I was a skater and uh, probably more of a poser than anything. But I remember making the conscious decision not to come home at 8 o'clock. Instead, I pulled in around 8.30 on my skateboard, thinking that nothing was going to be wrong. I was just, you know, cool, you know, cool as, complete, cool as can be. It was the summer. My parents were waiting for me on the porch, and they didn't look happy. And I remember God used that moment in my life, and he started shaping me and molding me because of my parents' rod of correction. <laughs> and I remember that was probably one of the last times I was uh, spanked. I think I was 11 years old. But I had something inside of me that wanted to live like the world, but I also didn't want to go to hell, and so I wanted to make sure. So I was different at church than I was at school. I was different at home than I was at church. And I don't know if that relates to any of your stories, but for me, that is the way it was. I remember one, uh, one day, or it was probably a season of days, that I would go to school and literally, and uh, please, I'm going to say this, and I know we've got some young people here. Um, I'm not condoning what I did at all. But I would go to school, and there was something inside of me that I would at recess or uh, at, in between classes, I would cuss more than any other non-believer just because I wanted to make a splash. I don't know. It was crazy. And I remember that season of my life, and then I would, but then I would be different at home. I'd be different at church, and I struggled with that. And so it was in that season that I was away at a campout trip with a, a bunch of guys, and uh, it was called powwow. I don't know if you ever heard a powwow, is between my sixth or my fifth and sixth grade year, and my dad was on this trip. Now, at my house, uh, we, you know, my parents, they spoke in tongues. My grandparents spoke in tongues. Uh, so I was familiar with, with that. But I remember being challenged, and I don't remember exactly what was said, but I remember there was an altar time at the campfire that night, and God was just really working on my life. I was addressing these inconsistencies in my life that I would, you know, be the Christ, good Christian guy at, at home or at school, but then I'd be totally different. Um, I'm sorry, I'd be a Christian guy at home or at church, but at school I'd be totally different. And I remember that, and, uh, but then I, I was just struggling with that. And I asked the Lord that night to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I went forward, my dad came up and he prayed with me, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what changed? 
Well, I was telling Brendan before service is that from that moment, as I was reflecting on that just recently, and even uh, talking with it with, with my dad uh, one morning this, while we were away, from that time in my life to forward, I never struggled with cursing. In fact, it's not something that, you know, it, it is, uh, I don't, that's not part of my vocabulary. Um, I also remember from that moment forward, it was unusual, but I wanted to read God's Word. And it was like the Word of God came alive to me. It was, I can remember that. And then I also remember that my witness, just my testimony of who I was at school really began to change. And what was interesting, it took some time for that to change. Um, but but there was a, when I went back to school that fall, I was committed. I'd been challenged to, to make a difference. And uh, in the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit was the impetus for those changes in my life at that time. Now, I believe that this morning that all of us, everyone here, we need a supernatural God to be active in our lives. You may be here this morning, and you may feel spiritually dry, thirsty, hungry for the Lord. You may have a desire for greater intimacy with God, but you don't know how. Maybe you look at your witness, and maybe you have got some inconsistencies in your life that you would love some help with. Maybe you struggle with sharing your faith, or maybe you tried to share your faith, but you've been ineffective and you haven't been able to draw in the net, so to speak. Or maybe you're here this morning, you say, man, I've got a desire to bless others, but I struggle with that. Well, whether you're dry or hungry, you desire greater intimacy, your witness, you desire to bless others, or many other things, being filled with the Holy Spirit, I believe, can be the answer. And so I want you to be open to that idea. And so I've called today's message Discovering Spirit Baptism. And it's so important that we understand what God's Word says in regards to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do some review here, and you can follow along with me. In fact, uh, this is something you may want to jot down in your Bible. Um, I've, uh, I've got this on a sheet of paper that I keep with me. Uh, uh, in my, not in this Bible, but a, another Bible, that's, it, that is just looking at the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, five primary encounters with the Holy Spirit, and we're going to kind of go through these somewhat quickly, but the first thing that the Holy Spirit, when you boil down the work of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture, we talked about these on the first week that we were um, discussing these, uh, these things, but the first thing is that there's a convicting work of the Holy Spirit. If you turn with me to John chapter 16, verse 8, in a section that talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit, in verse, um, verse 8, uh, chapter 16, verse 8, it says this. It says, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit, his first and primary goal is to convict the world of the sin that's around us. It's, have you ever felt bad for doing something wrong? No one had to teach you that. We are born with a sin nature, and we have a conscience, and that conscience is the Holy Spirit, a convicting work. And so it starts with that. The second thing is that there's a regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. In Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, we read about this. It's a salvation work. Look what it says in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. It says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we have done, thank the Lord, there's not, nothing we can do that can save us, but because of His mercy. He saved us. Jesus saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal. How? By the Holy Spirit. There is a regenerating work that the Holy Spirit does. It's the Holy Spirit that saves us. Salvation. 
The third thing is an indwelling. And I know this is review, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, talks about that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We see the same thing in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. The, the Holy Spirit dwells within inside of us. Then number four is that there's a maturing work. And thank the Lord for this. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The list goes on. And what we're talking about here is the pursuit of holiness. The theological term that goes along with that is sanctification. It's a, it's a process of becoming holy, and it is a lifelong process. So if you're here this morning and you're a new believer or you're here this morning and you uh, may consider giving your heart to the Lord, don't, don't worry. Your life is a, a process that God is going to take you through to save you, to clean you up, and you don't have to be clean before you come to the Father. And we're thankful for that. And then there's a fifth thing that the Holy Spirit, a fifth encounter, and it's an empowering work. We see that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And uh, it says there that you will receive power. That word is dunamis. It means dynamite. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And it's in that last encounter or that last experience of the Holy Spirit is where we are going to focus. You will receive power to be, to do, to act, and that's exactly what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is about. So I'm going to answer a couple questions for you. And some of this, for, for those that were kind of born and raised in this, uh, will be review, but I still believe that it will uh, be powerful for you. And uh, for others that are, this is new, I want you just to just let God uh, move and work and uh, let these, these thoughts just uh, saturate your heart and your mind and let him uh, let the holy spirit work okay what is the baptism in the holy spirit what is it to be filled with the holy spirit well the first thing i want to say it's not the same thing as salvation in fact in every single circumstance where people where it says and they were filled with the holy spirit they were already believers and we believe that father son holy spirit god is one and when you receive salvation, you get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The moment that you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And at that moment, there's the, the God, He dwells with inside of you. So that's not what we're talking about when we look at being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing it is, there's really two primary things. It is an immersion in God. That word baptize, baptizo, is an immersion. And look at Acts chapter 1, verse 5. When we look at this, it's interesting. It says, well, actually, let's start at verse 1. Uh, Acts, uh, this is Luke. Luke, Acts, uh, we're the same author. Um, he's saying in verse 1, he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. You know what's interesting? At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, what was he talking about? The kingdom of God. Right before he ascended into heaven, after his resurrection, he's talking about the kingdom of God. But then it says, on one occasion, verse 4, while, the, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speaking about. This was not new information to the disciples and those that were listening at that moment. Jesus had many times had talked about the Spirit of God coming. In fact, we see in uh, Matthew chapter 3, uh, 3, verse 11, where 
John the Baptist said, look, I am baptizing you now in the, um, uh, in the water, but soon there will be one that will come that will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That was also prophesied in Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit and uh, spirit on all flesh. And then throughout Jesus' ministry, and uh, one of those places is in John chapter 16, there's others, that Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit that would come. Now he's talking to believers, and he's saying that there's something more that is to come once I am removed. And what he's talking about is a, a baptism, an immersion in God. It's personal. It's intimate, a lasting encounter with God. And what's great is that now it's not just for the priests or for the kings or for the prophets, but it's for everyone. If you fast forward to Acts chapter 2, verse 4, you read there that it was those that were in the upper room, there were about 120 that were there. That means there were only 11 apostles at that point. That means over 90% of the others were people just like you and me. And the Spirit of God fell on them. And they were immersed in God. A refreshing, a blessing. And what is available to you and available to me is an immersion from God that will help us in our Bible reading. It will transform the way we look at Scripture. It will transform our prayer life. And the kicker is that the first thing, that what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, it is to you, and it's for you. Say that with me. It's to you and for you. It's to you and for you. There's an immersion in God. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. But there's also a second piece to it. The second piece is a spiritual empowerment. Not only will you be blessed to you and for you, it doesn't stop there, but it translates for others. But to be a witness, to testify that Jesus is who he said he was. A great friend of mine, a Baptist theologian, uh, I meet with him regularly. We were talking about this and talking about the Holy Spirit and, and looking at, at some of these scriptures together recently. And he said when the way he sees the Holy Spirit, the reason it was sent in the early church, in every case, it was to testify that Jesus is who he said he was. Now, that was new information for me. I had never looked at the, 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 the Holy Spirit in that way. But as I've read through Acts since, and I've, I've looked, and even we're going to look at the, the first address from Peter, it was all about witness. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, let me just say right from the get-go here, it's not about speaking in tongues. We cannot stop at receiving for ourselves. We must give it away. So instead of it being to you, for you, what it is, it's the Holy Spirit, the baptism. It's something that happens through you as well for someone else. It's something that happens through you for someone else. And let's look at Peter's example. Acts chapter 2. Love this story. Peter was a coward uh, before he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He loved the Lord. He, he was full of energy, very zealous. He's the one that said, I will stand with you till the end, Jesus. And then Jesus says, no, before the crow, you know, uh, shouts out tonight, uh, you're going to deny me. And, uh, and just there's inconsistencies in his life. And, and Peter, what's crazy about Peter is uh, uh, his personality, from what I understand, as I've read, uh, is very much like mine, you know, highs and lows. And it's like, oh, man, uh, poor Peter. But listen to what happened after the Spirit of God fell at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Let's look at verse 14. It says, then Peter... The coward, right? <laughs> he stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Now, just back, uh, go back just a few days before that. Peter was the one in the crowd hiding and denying who Jesus was in his life. But now he's standing up. He raises his voice and addresses the crowd. He says, fellow Jews and all who are live in Jerusalem, let me explain this. To you, listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose, 
it's only 9 in the morning. Verse 16 says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he gives this glorious uh, testimony of, of the prophets and then the testimony of Jesus, the witness that Jesus is who he said he was. And the result of that we see in verse 37. When the people heard this, when they heard what Peter had to say, they were cut to the heart. Now, let me just say, Peter, earthen vessel, a jar of clay, a bucket of dirt, right? It wasn't Peter that made the impact. But when they heard what was being used through him, Peter was being used as a vessel through him for someone else, they were cut to the heart. Peter did the natural. God did the supernatural in their hearts. And they said to Peter and to the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? It brought them to a point of decision. And that leads us to the next question. Not only what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but who can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And if we continue to read Acts chapter 2, Verse 37, when the they, people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said, Brothers, what shall we do? In verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is he talking about? He's talking about what happened at the day of Pentecost. He's saying if you repent and, and are baptized, you will receive Jesus and you will be eligible to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that had been promised in the prophet Joel. And John the Baptist talked about it. Jesus talked about it all in his ministry. And it says, verse 39, the promise, the Holy Spirit, is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That's us. For all whom the Lord our God will call. The Holy Spirit active in our lives. Who can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Every person who is saved. Every person who is called upon the name of the Lord. Four-year-olds, teenagers, young adults, single moms, I've seen where couples have received together. I've seen elderly people that, uh, that give their heart to the Lord and are filled with the Holy Spirit. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord and is saved is eligible to be filled, to be immersed with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are two, uh, two concerns that kind of come up when we talk about these things. The first one is, what about the tongues? And we're going to talk about that in a second. But there's also a concern that happens saying, I don't feel worthy to receive the Holy Spirit. And let me just say, get over it. If we received what we deserved, we'd all be sizzling gone. We don't get what we deserve. It's the grace of God that helps us. And the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Every believer is eligible. You say, yeah, but I, I, still, uh, I still struggle with smoking, or I still, you know, cuss like a sailor, or I, I still struggle with, uh, with certain areas of my life. You are eligible to receive the Holy Spirit. And what's great about it is that He will help you in those areas. Who can receive anyone? The next question is, well, how can I know that I've received the Holy Spirit? It was promised in the Old Testament. John the Baptist talked about it. Jesus talked about it through his ministry. How can you know there was something going to be sent? A promise. But how would you know that you received it? Well, there's a simple pattern in Scripture. Five events in Scripture that help us to understand how we can know that we've received. Three are very detailed um, uh, in their description. One alludes to how to know that you've received, and then one is inferred through uh, with the uh, story of Paul in Acts, uh, the Damascus Road. He was um, 
you know, struck him with blindness. Uh, Ananias prayed for him and uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and we know that Paul spoke in tongues. In fact, in 1 Corinthians later, uh, he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And he encouraged us to, to do that. But the five events and the simple pattern that we see, that I see in Scripture, is that they all spoke in other tongues. How do you know that you have received? Because you speak in an unknown language. There was a physical evidence that was always present when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. God does not want you to wonder if you've received the Holy Spirit. And so he set up a sign, a physical evidence for us to experience. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Why in the world tongues, right? It's so odd. (laughs) Who babbles in an unknown language, right? Right? I'll just be honest, speaking in tongues from a natural, it's 100% offensive to my pride. The Bible talks about the power that's in our tongue, doesn't he? And how powerful it is. You can look at James chapter 3. There's, it's powerful. It controls. And you say, well, I'm dignified, or I'm afraid of looking dumb, or a whole other slew of excuses. Why tongues? It's a sacrifice of our pride. If you can trust God with an unknown tongue and speak in a language that you don't understand, you can trust God with English when it comes time to witness. I believe that. Some people say, well, what about the emotions? How can you tell if someone's received? Is there some emotion that's, that's you know, wrapped up in this? And sometimes there is emotion. Other times there's not. There's no set pattern there. And I will tell you this, is that you know, many of us have different personalities. And we're not going to become a different person because of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're a quiet, reserved type of individual, you're not going to probably... Uh, you know, shout at the top of your lungs. But it is interesting. I don't really have time to share it, but let me just share this real quick. My dad, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, I just found this out at Christmas time. My grandma was telling me when my dad was filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, my dad was, you know, so afraid that if, if the Holy Spirit was to come on him, uh, if he was filled with the Holy Spirit, that he would, you know, end up looking silly or, you know, do something outrageous. And uh, he was so concerned about that. And so it took him a while to receive. He was about 16 years old uh, when he did receive the Holy Spirit and, um, in this way. And, uh, but what was great is that, uh, that he was pretty quiet, pretty reserved from what I understand. But he began to just dance in the Spirit. <laughs> and uh, this is what my grandma was saying. And he didn't touch anyone at the altar. It was like the Holy Spirit was guiding him. And then he, was the, he would be the last person to give someone a big hug. And he, after he was done kind of praying, he opened his eyes. And the first person he saw, it's not wasn't like you, it was an old lady about in her 80s. And he just gave her the biggest hug. <laughs> and it was because the Holy Spirit had blessed him. And he was so excited about it. But it wasn't like he was, you know, shouting at the top of his lungs or, you know, doing some crazy things. But it was the power of the Holy Spirit working at him. But emotions uh, are, are important. Um, but emotions are not the proof of the Holy Spirit's activity in your life. I want you to know that. But I was listening to uh, a tape on, on this or a CD on this. Uh, Tim Enlow, who, who really specializes in the Holy Spirit and uh, works and uh, travels and does Holy Spirit seminars, he was just encouraging. I think it's so powerful. He says, yeah, the Holy Spirit is not, it's not proof of the Holy Spirit, your emotions, but do not be afraid of your emotions as well. And I thought that was just really powerful. So we're looking at how can I tell that I've received? Well, they spoke in tongues. How can I receive the baptism is the next question. How can you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, it's pretty simple. You get 
what you ask for. It's a promise for you. And my guess is there are some here that have an unclaimed promise or a promise that is underutilized in your life. And I want to see that changed here at the Gateway Church in our lives. If you were to win the lotto, you'd probably be ashamed about that, wouldn't you? No, I'm no, just kidding. Would we, would we receive the tithe off of a lotto earnings? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> That's totally off the subject. But if there was a sum of money, let, let's not say lotto. Let's say a great-grandpa died that you never knew, and there was a sum of money, okay, you know, large, you know, millions of dollars that was available for your taking, and you didn't unclaim it, you would be stupid, all right, crazy, right? You'd be crazy. Or if you said, well, I've got all these millions of dollars, but I just, I'm just going to take, you know, maybe $100 a week, right? That would be underutilizing that gift. And I think there are some here that have been promised this gift, all believers, but it's unclaimed or underutilizes. Now, how can I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? There's a simple pattern. There's a couple different patterns in Scripture. One is a pattern of salvation. How do you know you're saved? Well, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, one and only Son, that whosoever would believe right in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. There's a believing factor. In Revelation, it says that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. And if we are to open, uh, he stands at our door and knocks. If we open up our heart, he will come in. The fact is, is that you have to do something about salvation. Salvation is not forced on you. It's, a, it's a, uh, something you receive by faith. And faith is a belief, a thought, but there's also action in that. And with salvation, it's believing. And then it's confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And at the moment you do so, Jesus comes into your life. And let me just say, if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, or you're away from the Lord, we're going to give you an opportunity here in just a few moments to receive salvation. And it's so important. It would be the greatest gift that, that you will ever receive. But when it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit, there's a pattern as well. In Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19, we see a pattern of believers that are full of faith, but faith, again, it was believing in your thoughts, but then there was actions that were uh, involved as well. And if you read these, uh, these verses or these chapters in Acts, you will see a pattern. The first thing is that you'll see is that in every circumstance, there was a group of people obediently seeking the Lord. They were waiting on the Lord. They were waiting in God's presence, obediently seeking the Lord. The second thing is that they did something. They weren't just there sitting quiet, and then the Holy Spirit came upon them, immersed them. No. In every circumstance, they were worshiping God. They were opening their mouths, and they were praising God. God. They were worshiping. And it says at those moments, then the Holy Spirit came upon them and were immersed, were filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a third thing, though, is that, and some people get tripped up here, is that not only were they seeking, waiting, not only were they worshiping, but they then, themselves, they manifested the evidence of tongues. They spoke in other tongues. The Holy Spirit did not come in and control their tongues, take control. It was them that spoke in other tongues. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit when we speak in other tongues. Every reference, the person was speaking. It is a language. Tongues is a language. And what's interesting is that that language, as we grow and as we mature in the Lord, it grows inside of us, and it matures inside of us, and it can be developed. And, and I would encourage you that if you have been filled with the Spirit and you spoke in tongues maybe at one point or maybe there's one syllable that, that the Lord gave you, venture out. 
Try to try some more and let the Holy Spirit guide you. So they waited for the Lord. They worshiped, and then they are the ones that released the prayer language. So let's review here for a moment, and then we're going to pray. And uh, Brendan, I want you and the worship team to come and to just uh, to help us uh, to experience what God has for us this morning. What is the Holy Spirit? It's an immersion in God, and it's all about spiritual power. It's available to all believers. And how could, do we know if it happens, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit? You speak in tongues. It's the initial evidence, uh, physical evidence uh, that we receive. How can you receive? By waiting, by worshiping, and then releasing words that you don't understand and let God take control, speaking in an unknown tongue. The results that are guaranteed for you is that there will be a greater intimacy in your walk with the Lord, a love for God and for others that you've never experienced. There will be growth. The Word of God will come alive. There will be strength to witness and boldness, dynamite, uh, the word power there, dunamis. Your prayer life will be transformed. You know what it says later, and, and, uh, and we're going to talk about this in a couple weeks, is that when you speak in an unknown tongue, you speak in tongues of men and angels. And what it also says in 1 Corinthians there, it says that you speak, you're praying the perfect will of God. Doesn't that sound incredible? Have you ever wondered how to pray? Pray in the Spirit. And it all is accomplished by faith. Believing, but you know, believing, or it says in the Bible, faith without works is what? Dead. And so there's a belief and an action. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and uh, just set, uh, set the atmosphere uh, for us. Um, this morning, I've been praying and asking God to move and to, to baptize us, to refill us uh, with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but before we address that, this morning, let me just ask straight up, are you right with God this morning? The convicting and the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, uh, is it at work this morning where you're sitting here and you're saying, I am away from God and I need a relationship with Jesus. Is there anyone here that would say, that's where I am today? Yeah, okay. Anyone else? Saying, yep, that's me. I need Jesus to come into my life and to save me. And maybe to, to make things right with God. Anyone here saying, yeah, I need to make things right with the Lord? Anyone else? There's one gentleman that raised his hand in the back, and for his sake and maybe for the sake of others that didn't have the courage to raise your hand, would you repeat a prayer after me, a miracle prayer? It's not the words of the prayer, but it's the, the, uh, the belief in our heart that saves us. Would you repeat this after me? Let's do it together. Say, dear Jesus, I'm so sorry for the sin in my life. I know I've done things wrong. I know I'm not perfect, but I also know that you are a Savior, that you died on the cross for my sins, and you can save me. And so I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, and I ask, Lord, that you would come into my life and save me. In Jesus' name. You know what's so beautiful about salvation and that simple pattern that I just took you through is that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you ask for forgiveness like we just did, at that moment, your sins are erased. No more. Jesus takes our sin and takes it as far as the east is from the West. And you say, yeah, but God, you know, what about this or what about that? He says, he's like, what sin? What sin? I've 
clothed you with righteousness. You're perfect in my eyes. Now, do we deserve that? No. We deserve to be burning, sizzling in hell. But Jesus is our Savior. And let me just say, there are a lot of people that we rub shoulders with every day that need to experience salvation. Am I right? And because of that, I believe that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Could I just take a quick poll? How many here this morning say, Pastor Ben, um, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, would you just slip up your hands and see if there's anyone here? Yeah. Several. The great thing about the Holy Spirit is that He has more for you and more for me. We need to be continually refilled with the Holy Spirit. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask that you would come and be seeking the Lord. Why? First, for a personal refreshing. If you're dry, if you're hungry for the Lord, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and let Him just cover you and let a supernatural God bless you. But it doesn't stop there. There's an empowering work that we all need at work in our lives. The need is so great to be able to share to witness. So if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to come and to seek that God would continue to refresh you personally. But I want to address those that have never been filled with the Holy Spirit. I said that how do you get it or how does it happen? You ask, right? You ask for the Holy Spirit to baptize you. I want you to turn with, with me to one more verse in Acts, or not Acts, but Luke. Luke chapter 11. An interesting passage on prayer. Jesus teaching on prayer, and he ends this passage on prayer, and he says this. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? And obviously the answer is no father would give his kid a snake if he's asking for a fish. Or if he asked for an egg, he would give him a scorpion. That's ridiculous. But then verse eight, uh, 13 says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Let me read that again. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So this morning, I'm going to encourage every single one of us to ask for the Holy Spirit. And I believe that as we wait on the Holy Spirit, as we seek for the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives. I'm going to encourage you to worship God, to be speaking, to praise God. And then, at a moment, you're going to change from worshiping God in a tongue that you understand. And I believe that God is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit or refill you with His Holy Spirit, and you will begin to speak in other tongues. It'll be natural, but it'll be you. And it's by faith you trust God. And when we do, we will believe together that God will immerse us in Himself. And who doesn't need that? I know I do. I know we all need that. And at the same time, there will be a release of power an empowerment to go through us for someone else. And I believe that this next week is going to be full of miracles because of our time in God's presence here. 
So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning, and I'm going to ask that you just close your eyes right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to move. I'm just going to ask you to consider your life right where you are. Say, God, am I satisfied with all that I have from you? And if your answer is no, I'm going to encourage you just to lift your hands right where you are. And I'm just going to ask you to start to pray. And I'm going to ask you to, to start to worship God. And just begin to be in His presence, waiting on Him, worshiping. And let's just do that together. today, in this place, this would be the easiest place to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do is we're going to collectively continue to worship, continue to seek God, continue to wait on Him, but also together I'm going to believe that when we, when I release us in here a moment, that we will change from speaking in a language that we understand, worshiping God in a, in a known tongue, that we would collectively receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How will you tell if you've been baptized? You will speak in other tongues, and it's by faith. And I want to encourage you this morning just to trust God and to let it be natural. And so we're going to do that again. And I'm going to ask that we would begin to worship again and begin to just seek God, continue to seek God, and then let's release that prayer language that God wants to give to each and every one of us, all believers. And so if you're here this morning and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit before, I want you to exercise that gift of tongues, and I want you to do it out loud. Because that encourages someone next to you that may be unfamiliar or a little nervous or there may be some fear. And I want us to collectively, for this to be a safe place, to try out the gift of tongues in our lives. Are you with me? Let's close our eyes. Let's lift our hands. And would you repeat after me, dear Heavenly Father, this moment, I want all of you. Would you please fill me with your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, 
Now, whether you wanted to or not, you just asked for the Holy Spirit to fill you. And you don't have to ask again. But could we change together, collectively, from worshiping God in a known tongue to a tongue that we don't understand? Just begin to do that even right now. John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 says, says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's interesting that, Brendan, you picked that song, that the fire of God is a consuming God that consumes us and helps us to live godly lives. And this morning, I just want to encourage you, there's not going to be an official uh, dismissal to the service, but I'm going to encourage you to seek the Lord, to wait on Him, to worship, and to experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And when you're released to go, Know that the Holy Spirit will go with you and expect miraculous things to happen this week for your witness to be more effective where you've struggled before with sin, that it's going to be easier. God's going to help you. And that we would go in the grace of God. And so let's just, I'm going to pray a prayer of benediction. And then I want you to just continue to worship, Brendan, 
and let's just continue to work. You may want to come to the altar. It's funny, uh, many will drive 15, 20 miles to church, but it's those last 10 feet to the altar that they resist. And uh, maybe the Lord will be drawing you to the altar to spend some time in his presence. My encouragement is not to hurry off, but if you have to go, we understand. Go in the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, I just pray this benediction, Lord, that you would be in control of our lives, that we would live as filled by your Spirit, that you would go with us. And not only to experience you in this moments of refreshing, but Lord, and do us with power. Supernatural God at work in us. And we pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord. If you need to be dismissed, I understand. Go in the grace of God, but let's worship the Lord. If you would, if you'd re- Uh, quiet in here if you're not worshiping and to talk out in the uh